This is Let's Go Michigan with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. Your bird's eye view on Michigan's business and entertainment scene. Here's Jeff. All right, welcome. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon in the state of Michigan. Happy to be with you here on Let's Go Michigan. We're featuring stories of interest and relevancy to you. And uh, that ranges from sports to entertainment, business, events, and recreational activities here in the state. Proud of our state of Michigan. Happy to bring you information about it. All right. Of course, Kristen Kajawa, Mark Pastoria here with me, co-hosting the show. Guys, this past week, this is the kind of thing you just can't ignore. You talk about what's going on in the world these days. One of the things that's going on in the world in a big way, celebrity status and concert tours all changed, I think, forever as a result of the mega, mega success that Taylor Swift is experiencing as she makes her way across the country. And one of the articles that popped up in Billboard, I think, that really makes clear how significant the Taylor Swift concert stops are, these era's tour stops. Billboard has published an article, How Cities Are Celebrating Taylor Swift's Era's Tour Stops. And, you know, it's just amazing how locations are courting her. Well, when you think about it, Jeff, in each city, she's there for a minimum of two days. And the amount of money that that city is acquiring from all the Swifties that are pouring into the town for those two days, I would think that they would probably, yes, be rolling out the red carpet for her. Yeah. Governor Whitmer welcomed her, but other cities along the way are welcoming her as well. For example, in Glendale, Arizona, the mayor of Glendale literally officially renamed the city to honor the Eras Tour kickoff on March 17th. On March 17 and 18, the city of Glendale will be renamed to Swift City for the two days that Taylor Swift is in town. How about that? And Arizona's not the only place. I mean, they've given her the key to the city. They've renamed stadiums. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, the mayors are going crazy trying to outdo each other, trying to come up with creative ways to welcome her and her fans. Swifties alive and well to have a shot to see one of these historic Taylor Swift concerts. Unbelievable. All right. A couple of things we'll feature in our show today. Number one, guys, it's the uh, beginning of strawberry season. You know, one interesting thing about the strawberry industry here in Michigan, they don't pick and pack them and ship them to commercial markets for sale. It's either you pick or they're for sale right on premises, basically, or very locally in the uh, local markets, but not really a commercial product like we tend to think about it. I think Michigan strawberries only have, don't they have like a 24-hour window after you pick them? You have to either eat them which is usually what happens, or you have (laughs) to wash them, freeze them, make them into something. I think they have such a small window because they're so delicate as compared to the strawberries we get at the grocery store, which are a little bit maybe meatier, they're they're tougher and more suitable for commercial use. Right, and of course the beautiful thing about the fresh ones picked right out of the field is that they have a lot more flavor and they're deeper, richer in color. And anyway, it's an exciting thing to be able to go and pick your own right from the field. But uh, strawberry season now upon us here in the state of Michigan. Beyond featuring this strawberry farming here in the state, we're going to take a look at the Great Lakes cruising industry and uh, celebrate that as well. You know, it was just a couple years ago that it seemed like Great Lakes cruising, bringing it back, was really kind of a novelty, maybe something on the margins, but not something in mainstream America as a choice for a summer vacation. But yet the cruise industry here in the state on the Great Lakes is booming. 
And uh, really, it's an exciting time for those of us in the state of Michigan and for those who come here to really experience firsthand the majesty of the Great Lakes and surrounding ports of call, whether in Canada, Wisconsin, the state of Michigan, of course, that's an exciting thing to see. It's amazing to look out, whether you're at a small town, a small port anywhere in the state of Michigan or on Mackinac Island or even in the city of Detroit, to look out and see a cruise ship pull up, 650-foot cruise ship and lots of people undocking in the port of call. That's a new thing for us. That is a new thing for us. It actually makes me think if you weren't prepared for it, you'd think, wait a minute, am I in Florida? Am I, right. where, where am yeah. I? Am I in New York somewhere? Exactly. Yeah, we seem to take it for granted too. We're living here, right? right? We're mm-hmm. hearing a lot right. of feedback from people out of state, how beautiful it is. Yeah, especially Ports of Call, of course, like our marquee Mackinac Island experience, nothing like that in the country, really. That is for sure. All right, and of course, Kristen, this uh, coming week, Monday, the 26th, the Detroit Ford Fireworks Show, that's really a spectacle, really special. A million people will view the fireworks as they have each year over the last few years, and it's worth battling the crowd from the fireworks to the people to the various other events going on around town, in and around the fireworks. It's really something to behold. And then, of course, don't forget up north in northern Michigan, the Cherry Festival, July 1st through the 8th. That's a massive event for the state have you of been Michigan. To that, um, I have been, <laughs> um, yes, and I have been in it and I have been near it, and it takes over, I feel like, all of northern Michigan. Wow. Not exactly, but close. Okay. I mean, if you're up, if you're up north, you can't miss it. I mean, everybody's talking about the Cherry Festival. And if you're looking for more information about the National Cherry Festival, you can go to traversecity.com, and it's right on their event page. It's actually on their homepage. You can get all the details about the week-long event. All right, great. Kristen, Mark here with me, guys. We know the state of Michigan is big in apples and in blueberries when it comes to fruits grown and sold here in the state of Michigan. But the strawberry business also very important. And what a privilege and a treat for us to be able to go out and pick our own right from the field. But if you want to do it, you got to get moving because the season is short. It's about a two-week window, roughly. We're in the heart of it right now. Various you-pick opportunities throughout the state. I believe uh, there's a strawberry, at least one strawberry farm where you can go pick in, in most every county, if not every county here in the state of Michigan. Guys, have you done that? I have. It's so much fun. It is. It's, it's a great it's, family activity. Well, what am I saying? It's a great family activity. It's fun to just do it on your own, but it's more fun to go with the sure. kids. Right, right, right. <laughs> and and I, honestly, I think we probably eat as many as we put in our little bucket along the way, but man, it's fun. Right. It is a uh, proverbial treat for us to be able to do it. Mark, have you done it? I haven't tried it yet. I may do that this weekend. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to get close to the earth, close to the uh, where the, the source, I guess, is the way yeah, to say it. Get done on your hands and knees. Right. Get down on your hands and knees, pick some good ones, eat some good ones, enjoy, be out in uh, great nature in the sun and enjoy both the experience and the joy that comes with uh, having some fresh Michigan strawberries on hand as well, at least for a short time anyway. All right. Listen, we got a chance to catch up with Rose White. She's a reporter for MLive.com. Rose, tell us about the significance of the strawberry, and in particular, the U-Pick strawberry industry right here in the state of Michigan. You know, I think Michigan, we're known for our apples and our cherries and our blueberries, and those are a real kind of behemoths in the industry or in the um, agricultural field. But there is also... a 
strawberry fields in every county in Michigan. So Michigan grows about 43,000 tons of fresh strawberries every year. But the bulk of those are actually picked by you pickers. So there's not a ton of commercial production, but we do see a lot of people go out and pick their own strawberries every year and contribute to the economy in that way. Of course, you know, the end game here of all this, when you go out and pick your own strawberries, is to be able to go home and enjoy whether it's fresh strawberries or, you know, cooking with strawberries, whatever it may be. But the experience itself is also one that is uh, kind of magical. You know, it's a little bit of a treasure hunt and you're going out in the field. You're obviously trying to find the prime strawberries and there's some satisfaction associated with picking them yourself. You become part of the, you know, the agricultural broader experience in some way. Yeah, I think for a lot of families, it becomes a tradition to head out there and pick some strawberries themselves. And I think people do find a lot of joy in being able to find the best strawberries and, and do it that way. And I also think then you can you can really stock up on how much you want and people turn them into jams or freeze them. And there's so many options that you can do with Michigan strawberries, which uh, if you've never plucked a Michigan strawberry and popped it in your mouth, they are very sweet and very delicious. And they don't really taste like anything we get in the store around here. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think, too, part of the taste comes from the fact that you had a hand in it. You know, I picked this one and I I made it happen. I brought it home. I made whatever it was, the, the strawberry jam, you know, that I'm eating right now. I think all things taste better, especially for kids. You know, that kind of joy and wonder that's associated with uh, being close to the earth. You know, it makes for that greater sensory experience. And it's a beautiful thing from the ground to your mouth, you know, it's So let's talk about this year's season. I think, first of all, a lot of the strawberries that we pick, I think the majority of them, is it true to say from the west side of the state? You know, it kind of depends. Like I mentioned, there are strawberry patches in every county in Michigan. Some might be open to the public, some might not, but they do grow everywhere in Michigan. And I think if you just kind of look around your area, you should probably be able to find some kind of field that is within an hour's distance at least. So yeah, they do grow everywhere. And so this season, it's kind of kicking off. It kicked off depending on where you live last week or even, you know, earlier in the week before that. And so I think the farmers, they kind of saw they had a late season frost. I I don't know if um, you remember, but there was a frost the Friday before Memorial Day. So that kind of um, some farmers kind of had to adjust their crop with that or do some irrigation to protect their crops. And then that was followed by a really long, hot, dry spell, which kind of accelerated things. And then we had another week of cool temperatures, which slowed the season back down. So things are really starting to kick off now. I think a lot of the farms are in full swing with their strawberry seasons. But the, the, the key thing about the strawberry you pick season is it's very short. So it's in full swing now. And if you don't have plans to go when you want to, you should probably make them. Yeah. And you talk about the season. What is it? A couple of weeks, kind of like from mid-June typically to the end of June? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on when things kick off. Every farmer Mm -hmm. I spoke to said the first day of you pick is very hard to predict and they'll often open for a couple of days and have to shut down for a day or two to allow more berries to ripen. But one strawberry farmer in Monroe County, she said that it's it's nine months of work that comes down to a period of 18 (laughs) to 20 days. So it is very short. And if you blink, you might miss it. That's a good way to put it. It is a lot of work for a very short window. You mentioned the frost earlier in the season, and I just want to highlight that. A lot of people don't understand, but the whole process of getting berries, whether it be strawberries, whether it be apples, cherries, whatever it may be, the whole process is threatened at the front end of the season by those surprise frosts that come too late in the season than one might expect because 
What happens is you get a warm spell earlier in the season. The tree thinks it's time to bud. They do that. Out come the flowers. And before the bees get a chance to do their thing, those little flowers are destroyed by the frost, right? And then that curtails the whole process, the pollination process and the ability to produce the fruit. Yeah. And um, especially because this one came so late in the season, I think a lot of the strawberry farms are already seeing blooms. So what some of the bigger operations do, they'll have um, irrigation closer to the ground. So they'll water everything and then that will put a light layer of ice around the blooms, which actually protects them from the frost. It sounds a little bit backwards, but that is kind of how it works. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the smaller mom and pop operations that maybe don't have the irrigation system because those can be kind of expensive to install. I think they just ended up losing Losing some of their crop, but they've been able to rebound with with some of the hot temperatures that we saw follow that. Okay, and then lastly, what about costs? So let's say you know a family wants to go out and, and pick strawberries. What are they looking at in terms of cost? How are these things priced? You know, it really depends on the farm that you're going to. Um, and I, you know, the biggest piece of advice that I got from every farmer I spoke to was just call before you go to a make sure the farm is open because they might be closing for a day to allow the berries to ripen, and then also to just find out what the cost is per pound. Okay. And then in terms of just finding information, like, is there a central repository somewhere online of information relating to where Michigan strawberries you pick type farms are located? Is there a resource available? You know, there's not really one website in particular, but there are sort of a lot of Michigan travel blogs and Michigan websites that have lists of a bunch of farms. I'm sure you can also just kind of Google in your area where the nearest you pick farm is and you'd be able to find something. A lot of these farms use Facebook to communicate with people as well, um, which is also helpful in finding out when the farm is open. All right. Great. Rose White, reporter for MLive.com. Get out there and pick the best ones. The time is now. Strawberry season is upon us. What a cool thing to have right here in the state of Michigan. So, Jeff, how exciting is this? We have Stephanie Ginsberg from Ed Dunneback and Girls Farm telling us, I mean, really, she's on the farm. She's going to tell us exactly what's happening with the strawberry you pick season. Down on the farm, Stephanie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Really good to have you and really happy that it's finally strawberry season here in the state of Michigan. How are things shaping up for you guys? Well, we're good. They turned up the heat, so we're good with that. (laughs) Well, that's good. So tell us about your farm and your operation and what it's like to be a strawberry farmer. Yeah, so I am part of the fourth generation here on the farm. It's uh, my mom, my sister, and I run it. We operate 170 acres between strawberries, row crops, apples, cherries, asparagus, all kinds of stuff that we've got going on here. So, But strawberry season is always one that is fast and furious, and we've been doing it since before I was born. My my great-grandpa and my grandpa always grew strawberries, so multi-generational on that, and there's nothing better than a Michigan strawberry. That is absolutely true. Are you guys all you pick or do you also harvest the strawberries yourselves and sell commercially? So we don't sell commercially. We sell everything right out of the barn. So Michigan strawberries are not shippers. I don't know if you ever tell the difference between a Michigan berry and the berries you buy in the store, but the berries you buy in the store are considered an everbearing. So they kind of grow different. They're harder in form. They're white in the center. Those are called everbearing. We grow a Michigan berry, which is a June berry, which is why they're only two to three weeks out of the year. And you pick them and you eat them. That's just how it works. You got to do something with them within 24 hours or they'll spoil. So 
really they're not able to be shipped out anywhere. So we really we pick in the morning and we try to sell out by the end of the day. And you guys have like a little market right there where people can stop and buy. You can do you pick or buy through your market, right? Yep. So we are a full farm market with a restaurant. We have a brewery, winery, cidery, a gift shop. I got farm animals, playground, so on and so forth. So we have more of the agritainment side as well. So we try to get folks to come out, pick some strawberries, and then go in the barn and get a strawberry slushy or a strawberry donut or maybe some lunch because it's hard work out there in the field. <laughs> and I bet that uh, strawberry slushy is not made with that bottled strawberry syrup, right, Stephanie? Oh, no. We teach our 14-year-old workers how to haul strawberries on day one. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's all fresh strawberries right from the field, fresh as can be, those June-bearing Michigan strawberries, nothing like it. I, I'm dying. My mouth is salivating. I'm ready yeah. to go. Let's end the show early, Jeff, and let's head over there, honestly. Well, I thought it was kind of funny when Stephanie said you've got to do something with them right away. That's the easy part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sure. Like, exactly. Uh, Stephanie, I did want to ask, though, how does this season compare to other seasons? Well, we've had a little bit of difficulty. You know, the drought has definitely affected us. We've had to pump water for 30 plus days to our fields. So that can be always a stressful thing because when you have pipe that moves, then it's not a permanent thing. And that's what you have to have in a strawberry field. Things break. So you're constantly monitoring. And then if you put too much water on, you can ruin the berries. So it's a fine line you walk for a very fast season, but for the most part, we're doing pretty good. The berries are nice and big and juicy, and this is our peak week for strawberries. Like I said, we picked for about three weeks, so we were slow last week because it was cooler. We loved the weather, but the berries didn't, and then next week will be a good week, but now we're in week three, so they start to fall off in size, so that's the only difference, and people just don't like to pick them when they're small. It's more work. All right. Well, everybody needs to make a point of getting out to your place ASAP. How do we do that? Tell us again where you're located and give us the website address as well. Yeah. So we're on the northwest side of Grand Rapids, just 10 minutes from downtown, 3025 Six Mile Road, big white barn. We've got a pink truck out front, so you can't really miss it. (laughs) We're known for our pink truck and our pink tractor. And um, we have our strawberry festival this weekend. The tickets can be found on our website, and that's dunabackgirls.com. All right, Stephanie Ginsberg from Ed Dunneback and Girls Farm. Appreciate you being on with us. Uh, Look forward to visiting. And now uh, turning our attention to this booming cruise industry here in the state of Michigan and on our Great Lakes, we've got John Jamian. He is operations director at the Detroit Port Authority, telling us about how the cruise industry came back and the significance of it today, as well as where it's all headed in the future John, of course, the state of Michigan and the Great Lakes have a storied history going back even into the 1800s, but now all of a sudden making a really strong comeback. And John, you run the operations at the Detroit Port Authority. You're on the front lines of the cruising industry. We're on a record pace this year, John, in the cruise industry, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. It's at a record pace. And I will tell you that we have an anchor out front of our building from 1914 era with the Greater Detroit cruise ship that used to dock right here back in the day. And cruising on the Great Lakes was very active until about 1967 when the last cruise ship went away. And in 1998, 
1999, when I was the executive director of this organization, I made a plea to a German cruise ship company to bring their ships to Detroit, or at least a ship to Detroit, and I had a vision to resurrect the cruising industry. And today, as we speak, the cruising industry on the Great Lakes is very vibrant. It is indeed. You know, I was up at Mackinac Island last summer. I saw one of the Viking ships come in and the little orange, little smaller boats that take them onto the island come in and uh, saw some of the people. And I had a chance to interact with them and ask them about their experience. They were absolutely over the moon, loving it. People, when they typically think cruising, think, you know, ocean cruising. But to be able to have an ocean-like experience on the greatest bodies of fresh water in the world here in the Great Lakes is, in many cases, surprising to people, delighting them beyond their expectations. And uh, a lot of people choosing the Great Lakes cruise now, it's, it's uh, become quite popular. And I guess thanks to you, John, for bringing it back. <laughs> I don't want to take all the credit. There were some other people involved. And I got to tell you, Senator Carl Levin was very active with us in, during the, that time to uh, provide the funding for us to build a cruise ship terminal. So we had all the components to bring them back. It was a matter of getting the shipping companies to uh, come back to the Great Lakes. And I was always kind of curious, like these world travelers that cruise all the oceans on cruise ships, what was so fascinating about the Great Lakes, and as you mentioned, the body of fresh water is unbelievable. So I asked a lot of the passengers from Australia, the United Kingdom, from California to Florida, why they wanted to come to the Great Lakes. And the answer I received was exactly what you said, and that is they wanted to see the greatest body of fresh water in the world, and they couldn't believe how beautiful it was. Yeah. No, as I say, it surprises and delights people. What does it mean now that we've got the cruise industry really rolling and, and growing here in the state of Michigan? Of course, these cruise ships make stops at various ports along the way, both on the Canadian side and then, of course, on, in Wisconsin and so on. But we're primarily focused, given this show here in the state of Michigan. Tell us about some of the stops and some of the economic impact that those stops have on these communities. Okay, so as you uh, mentioned, you know, you saw the ship on Mackinac Island. That's just not one ship, but Mackinac Island has approximately 75 cruise ship stops this summer. It is the destination on the Great Lakes. Right. And so when all those passengers, this basically um, the same as Detroit, when they get off the ship, they're, they're spending money in our local economy. And I will say that in Detroit alone, we've had probably for this year about 17,000 passengers will be walking across our dock and spending their money in Detroit and other areas around Detroit, such as the Henry Ford Museum and then Motown Museum. And the economic impact just locally in Detroit, uh, we've had a study done that's approximately $4 million in local spending from these passengers in our city or region. And then when you take a look at the entire state of Michigan, including Mackinac and uh, Muskegon, uh, they used to stop in Saugatuck, they stop in um, Alpena, and then they cruise Lake Superior and stop in Sault Ste. Marie. The economic impact is close to $100 million for the state of Michigan. 
It's a big number, but there are, you know, a lot of stops and a lot of passengers spending a lot of their money in our economy. Yeah, and John, the, the $100 million or so that you mentioned gets spent on the economy, that's at the moment that they get off the cruise ship and make their presence into the various communities in which they're visiting. But there's a long tail to this, too. I know, for example, just anecdotally, I spoke to someone who was on a cruise and made her way up Lake Huron to Mackin Island and so on, and she said, I can't wait to tell my friends about this. We're coming back. And so there's this long tail economic impact that may not be direct as they step off the cruise ship, but it comes years and years after as people now learn about the state of Michigan and and want to tell their friends and want to make a revisit and go deeper into the communities that they get a chance to have a taste of off the cruise ship. That's correct. There are many repeat customers, but also they're so impressed with the magnificence of our lakes and our resort towns and cities that they tell their friends and they come back, and that's why we've seen a steady increase in passenger cruise ship visits over the last 15 years, really. I mean, I was proud back in uh, 2011 or 12 when we opened this building, I was very proud of the fact that we had about 10 cruise ship visits. And now today at our facility, we're looking at approximately 67 to 70 cruise ship dockings just here at our facility. Wow. Listen, I want to touch on something that may be more personal to you, but interesting to all the rest of us. The cruise industry is such a romantic one. You know, it really is. You're going somewhere, you're getting on a ship and, you know, you go to sleep at night, you wake up the next morning, you're in the next port of call, whatever it may be. It's such a romantic thing. Tell us about you, your work, and kind of like a day in the life of what you do in the cruise industry here in the state of Michigan? Well, i give you a perfect example. Yesterday, we had two cruise ships at one time at our facility here in Detroit, and we were busy the entire day because it's not just a matter of uh, helping the passengers get off the ship. It's a matter of lining up all the buses in front of our building and working with the team that helps manage these uh, passenger visits getting the buses uh, sequenced properly to take them off the ship. It's working with U.S. Customs when they're able to, uh, when the ship first comes, they go aboard the ship to clear it and make sure everything's okay. We have to deal with Coast Guard regulations for safety and security, which are big things. And all the way down to the ship's crew, the officers of the ship and the vessel's agents locally, we work with them because... You know, when you have that many uh, visits and these ships and all these passengers, there's a lot of detail that's involved in the planning. Of course, sure. So we, including, you know, they have to take garbage off the ship or they need to take on fresh water. Uh, So we're here to accommodate them. And the planning goes well into the year before. I'm sure it does. And then some, listen, let me ask you this relative to the capacity, the goals and expectations of the cruise ship companies and even people like you that are in your positions. What is the capacity in terms of, you know, the percentage of people that are actually buying into the Great Lakes cruise opportunity? Is it meeting the threshold expectation? I would say that it's actually surpassing. You know, we were always conservative, and I think right here in the Great Lakes and in our state of Michigan, we did not realize the importance of tourism and the attraction for our magnificent sites locally. So it's been 
beyond our expectations in the sense that we're getting more and more and more and it's just an incredible thing. I mean, I, you know, I will also tell you that here in Detroit, because we know a lot of the passengers, both internationally and domestic passengers, they all know about Motown and our history of Motown. And so we have a Motown band that plays mm. when the ship arrives. Oh, that's great. And it's yeah. a lot of fun. That's and great. And when the passengers come back to the ship, all the officers on the ship, not all of them, but many of them, and the crew and chefs, line up on the dock and welcome the passengers back. And sometimes they play music, and it's just really a fun event. That's amazing. So tell us, uh, just kind of in closing, how does the future look? And what do you expect, say, for example, you know, we saw this huge increase in interest in Great Lakes cruising this year over last and so on. What does next year and beyond look like? Well, given the popularity of Great Lakes Cruising, and as you said, the long tail, because there's more and more new tourists that want to come to our region, you know, we're optimistic about, you know, 100 ships stops next summer and fall. And the fall is a big attraction, too, with the autumn leaves and the colors and things like that. So we're gearing up and hoping to accommodate all this business. Really exciting. Well, we thank you and we thank the cruise industry for doing such great things for the state of Michigan. Proud to have it happening. Proud to show off our state, our great state, and these amazing fresh bodies of water, collectively the Great Lakes. What a privilege it is to live here and to be able to share it with people. John, thank you very much for being on. Ah, oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. And uh, come on down and visit us sometime. You know what? I'm going to take you up on that. I think it's Seriously. amazing. I, I'm serious, too. You will see okay. us. We will see you soon. Thank you, John. All right, great. Thank you very much. Okay, great. Exciting times in the Michigan cruise industry, no doubt. Listen, we had a chance to talk about the strawberry industry here in the state of Michigan and a lesser but no less beloved one by those who are in it and those who enjoy it, and that is the lavender industry becoming a significant industry here in the state more and more all the time. We've even got our own festival. We're going to talk about it. But before we get to that, Kristen, believe it or not, the lavender industry is also growing here in the state of Michigan. Yeah, it's actually nationwide. Lavender farms are part of this emerging trend in agritourism, which we've talked about before, which is just a way for farms to create other avenues beyond the traditional crops to generate revenue. And Jeff, we have Bonnie Swoop. She's the festival director and curator for the Michigan Lavender Festival. Very good. Bonnie, tell us about the growing lavender industry here in the state and about the festival going on right now, this weekend, that people can enjoy. Sure, absolutely. And first of all, thank you for having me on today and chatting with you. We're uh, very thankful for the opportunity and to share our love and knowledge of lavender, especially, most especially Michigan lavender. The Lavender Festival has been around for 20 years. It's our 21st year. And you wouldn't always think Michigan is the best place or optimal for growing lavender. But surprisingly, over the last 10 years, most especially, the lavender industry in Michigan has really grown. Michigan has over 90 lavender farms and farmers, second only to Washington State, which is pretty impressive for Michigan. Interesting. And the Michigan kind of climate is very similar to that in Washington State. We see that with cherries and we see it with apples. I think, you know, Washington and Michigan kind of go neck and neck in those two industries. What makes Michigan a good place? You know, you, you mentioned it's surprising, but it actually is a good place to grow lavender. Why is it? 
It is, absolutely. And the soil, believe it or not, in the ground, not being as moist, sometimes a little bit drier, warm, real warm in the peak season, as you know, lavender, June, July is peak season, um, proved to be best conditions for lavender, and it's just thriving. One of the things that we have done in the past is we've invited people to either an apple orchard or a lavender farm to celebrate our festival. But this year with the growth and the expansion, we decided that it would be fun to bring Michigan Lavender Farms to one location so our customers and our guests could learn about lavender all over the state. And lavender, I mean, tell us there's some obvious things about lavender. It's beautiful. It's, it smells good. It's used in a variety of products. But you tell us, from an economic standpoint, what drives the lavender industry? Sure. So we celebrate lavender in many different ways at the festival. We have, of course, the seven lavender farmers that are joining us this year talking about the agriculture and the opportunity to enjoy their farms in Michigan. You can come out and cut lavender. You can buy lavender plants. But also this year, we're sharing ways to use lavender, culinary lavender. We have um, some medicinal uses, although no claims, no FDA claims, but Lavender is used, concentrated as an oil for headaches, stomach upset. We all know calming, rest, and sleeping. Calming, right, right. Absolutely. And you know, new this year, we have the Natural Health and Wellness Expo, which is bringing a lot of natural health um, information, expert speakers, Dr. Joel Kahn, America's Mm -hmm. heart doctor, healthy Mm -hmm. heart doctor is going to join us. We all know stress is bad for you and lavender helps reduce stress, which is always good. And, and, you know, I have to tell you, you talk about the various uses for lavender. I read recently, I believe this was from some celebrity. I don't recall who, although it's a bit irrelevant anyway, but it sounded so amazing to me. A lavender latte, new being one of the hottest <laughs> latte flavors of the season. It actually sounded really good. Um, it really is. And you can have a lavender latte at the festival this year, as well as lavender grilled cheese. Wow. Lavender ice cream, unbaked cookie dough. Uh, I think you will get your phone. Of course, everybody loves the Michigan Lavender Festival's Lavender Lemonade. That's an all-time favorite. Uh, Sounds amazing. And tell us where the festival is located, how people can get information about it, and and, and again, just more of the kinds of things people can do and enjoy, see and enjoy at the festival. Sure. We have grown and expanded. And for the last several years, we have been bringing you the Lavender Festival um, vendors, over 175 artists, award-winning food trucks, demonstrations, expos. And we are at the Eastern Michigan State Fairgrounds in Imlay City. It's 195 Midway in Imlay City. You can find all the information on our website at www.themichiganlavenderfestival.com. And if you're already familiar with the fun weekend that we have ahead and you just want to get some discount tickets, you can go right to lavenderfestivaltickets.com. We'll be there Saturday and Sunday this year, 10 to 6. Beautiful. Bonnie Swoop, Festival Director and Curator of the Michigan Lavender Festival. What a cool thing. It's great to have a hand in nature. It's great to be growing something so beautiful. And as you say, with all the different ways you can use lavender, whether it be cooking or uh, in some way for health reasons or just, uh, you know, I, I, I know too, lavender, we talked about the calming effect of it. There's all kinds of products being made now, for example, 
lavender to help you fall asleep faster and have a more restful night's sleep and all the rest. And if none of that works for you, it's just beautiful to have around. Smells great, looks great. Nothing like a field of lavender, right, Bonnie? Absolutely. And Michigan has many fields. And it's kind of a new thing as we're learning. So many places to go. Wedding pictures, you pick, date nights, picnics, fairy festivals. Take your family, get out there, see the Michigan lavender. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out. Listen, uh, tell us one more time the website to find out information. Absolutely. We are the Michigan Lavender Festival.com, and tickets are at lavenderfestivaltickets.com. Come meet a bunch of Michigan lavender farmers all at one place. There's still time to get out there yet today, and certainly tomorrow, Bonnie. It runs from what time to what time? 10 to 6. All right. Beautiful. Lots of time to enjoy a great Michigan weekend outdoors in a field of lavender. All right. Bonnie, thanks again. Thank you so much for having us. Have a lavender day. Thanks, Bonnie. Hey, Jeff, you know, I've actually attended a few lavender festivals, but nothing like this, where there's so many farmers that are gathering in one location. This seems epic if you're into lavender. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to head out this weekend to Emily City. All right, that's great. Bonnie Swope, thank you very much. Lavender Festival going on through tomorrow. Make sure you get out there and enjoy it if that's the kind of thing that's your thing. So much to enjoy and experience here in the state of Michigan. We covered you pick strawberries, the cruise industry, the Lavender Festival going on this weekend. Of course, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the fireworks coming up Monday night right here in Detroit and the Great Cherry Festival starting next week up in northern Michigan and Traverse City. Lots to enjoy, lots to experience. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Let's Go Michigan. Have a great weekend, everybody. 